But I want to continue in the message I started in last week. We're going to wrap that up this week. Uh, warning for all of you, next week is Mother's Day. All right, so make sure you get mom something, a card. Um, if you're really, I mean, I know we're in economic tough times right now. Don't be afraid to go the old elementary school route of one free hug or I promise to do the dishes, whatever that looks like, all right? Moms like that stuff still. It plays, all right? Uh, but Mother's Day is next week, and we're excited to be able to celebrate moms. Uh, but this week, wanted to wrap up in this series that we started last week called Dollars and Cents. Because here's the reality. We're living in a time where our dollars and cents are not going as far as they used to. We're in a time where we're watching all the inflation take place and we're, we're watching as our money is, is a little less worth, well, it's more worthless, less worth, you know what I mean. There's stress in it. There's anxiety in it. But my hope in taking the time to speak about how God's economy works is getting our eyes off of what the rest of the world is seeing and setting our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Him and seeing everything that He has in store for us. Because how many of you know God is a good provider? He takes care of His people. But as we said last week, this is kind of the, the fulcrum of everything that we're doing here is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Last week, we took a look at when the Israelites were about to receive the blessing that God had in store for them. They were getting ready to go into the promised land, and God is speaking through Moses to tell them, I have some reservations about you receiving this blessing. My reservation is this, that after you've become very blessed and have everything in the world, that you're going to forget me. And we see that in history, that is exactly what took place. That eventually the people forgot how good God had been to them. They forgot that He was the one who had sustained them. And they just kind of turned their backs and walked away. Now we don't want to do that in our lives, but it's something that we're just as capable of doing as they were. But I want to go to Malachi chapter 3 this morning and take a look at another portion of Scripture in which God speaks about how He views wealth and what it is that He wants to try to instill in our lives. Because here's the, the reality. We all have a lot of really great stuff in our lives, okay? We're really rich. I know you don't feel rich. There are some days you don't feel rich. But in comparison to the rest of the world, we are really rich, and we have many things to be thankful for. But here's what God says about this. He, he's talking to Israel and in the beginning of this chapter. He's kind of talking to them about how there's going to come a day when his chosen one, he's talking about Jesus, is going to come. And he says, and after that point, we'll talk together and, and I'm going to put you on trial. Now that doesn't sound good to be put on trial by God. But God has said forever, people have been putting me on trial. They want to say, God, why aren't you doing this? God, why aren't you doing that? God, why don't you fix this? God, why don't you save this? And God says, I'm going to put you on trial on that day. And this is exactly what he speaks in that moment, verses 6 through 8. He says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? What are you talking about? Now, Let's, let's start off with a common place here from which we might all be able to agree. How many of you would say you don't think it's okay to cheat God? You agree? 
Okay, most of you, praise the Lord. The rest of you, wake up. It's not good to cheat God. It's a bad thing. So God is speaking. He says, I want to put humanity on trial because they're cheating me. And the basis for this is starting at this very foundational idea that everything in our lives belongs to God. Now, we were just singing a song a minute ago that said, it's your breath in our lungs, right? Don't we take this for granted? Like, I don't know how many times a day you breathe, a thousand, two thousand, whatever that is. But we're just like, it's just what I do. Everybody, you can take a big, deep breath. And God gave you that ability. You know, we take that for granted that not everybody can take a deep breath like that. Some people today will take their last breath. Some people will not have a breath for tomorrow. And God says, I'm the one who has given you everything. And if we could start at this foundational element, this true belief that every single thing in my life belongs to God, then it leaves room for God to be able to speak into these areas of our lives. That yes, not only do I own the air that you breathe, but I am the one who causes your heart to beat. I am the one who sustains you and gives you every single thing that you need. And when we see God in that light, we see him very differently. But here's the question that they asked. They said, when did we ever cheat you, God? When did we ever cheat you? When did we ever withhold something from you? Let me introduce you to two words that have plagued humanity since creation. They are my and mine. My and mine. Right? Here's the reality, and maybe you, you would say that you don't actually believe this of yourself, but I think that if we, we take a look at this, you'll see you probably do. We consider everything we have to be ours, and that it's an act of worship to the Lord to give what is ours back to Him. But the reality of what God is speaking when He's talking about His blessing and His provision in our lives is He's saying, no, actually everything is mine, and I'm going to give you a portion of what is mine to bless you. And you see how this is a really big contrast because we look at it this way. Well, I will give of my time for the church. I'll give of my talents for the church. I might even give some of my money to bless somebody else. But in reality, God says, the very breath that you breathe belongs to me. How are you going to give away something that doesn't belong to you? How many of you know exactly how much time you have on earth? None of us. Not one of us in this room knows how much only God knows and only he is the one who can give us more. But he says, we act like we own it. How am I going to manage my time? How am I going to manage my money? How am I going to give of my resources? How am I going to use of my talent? And I know some of you in here are very talented individuals, but you want to hide it because you're like, I don't want anybody to know. I'm scared to do it in front of other people. God says, that talent that I gave you belongs to me. And I gave it to you as a blessing. Then this is what Israel is asking. God, when did we ever cheat you? And so God wants to answer this question for them. But I thought, I wanted to illustrate this for us. So where's our, I have a, if, if you could come, I have a member of our security team. If we, if we could give Glenn a big round of applause here. The men are, thank you, Glenn. So I wanted to illustrate this for you. Thank you, sir. He's just going to be on standby. Uh, this is a bag full of money. All right. So I wanted to illustrate something for you. I'm going to need a volunteer. Anybody want to be a volunteer? Come on up, Miss Dawn. You can be a volunteer. All right. I have in this bag 
$41,100. Yep. Just stacks of $100 bills. It's $40,000 in $100 bills in my hand here. That's why I have the security team. If you try to run, he will chase you. I believe so. <laughs> I, I, I do believe. <laughs> so here's how I want to illustrate this a little bit. I'm, we're going to start off with, I mean, nobody cares about $5 bills. They're not as interesting, but I want to start with this. So we have 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, $50 right here. Here we go. And you used to be a banker, right? So you should be good at this. All right. You can take a look at that. Count that for me. How much did I give you? How much money is there? How much money did I give you? No, I did not. Give me that. I need another volunteer. <laughs> Try again. Another volunteer. Go ahead, Mickey. You can come on up. <laughs> wait, wait, you can't give it away. Here we go. I, I mean, remember, I'm, I'm playing the part of God here. So there's, there's $50. How much money have I given you? 50? Nope, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. You think you have it? I do. What do you think it is? $45. Why is it $45 and not 50? Because I need to tithe my money. Okay. So here's the principle. God says that whatever I give to you, I'm actually only giving you 90%. The rest belongs to me. So here is, this is a stack of 50s here. You don't have to count it. Just trust me. There's $1,000 there. How much money have I given you? You're a banker. I expected better. $900? That's correct. That's awesome. Here we go. We'll take this. You don't get to keep any of it. So don't, have you ever held $10,000 before? Okay. You were a banker. That's right. How much money have I given you? This is a thousand. That's $10,000. I've given you $9,000. That's she's doing really good. Here we go. We're going to go one more step further. Have you ever held $40,000? That's less fun because you were a banker. $40,000. How much money have I given you? Carry the seven minus $36,000. Here we go. Now I'm going to put all of it together. $41,136.15. How much have I given? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can have a seat. Thank you so much. We'll give this. You know what? I'm feeling generous. I feel like people should have this money. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that's the generosity of god right there you can take the rest <laughs> somebody's going to be really disappointed later it's david isn't it <laughs> you know as i thought about this this illustration i thought you know the money that we have that is real hundred dollar bills i mean it's really just a different kind of paper i don't know why it's any different but hey it is what it is but here's the reality. Why did the first person think you gave me $50? Not only the first, two people, you gave me $50. That's my $50. You gave me $50. But it takes a different perspective to get to the place of saying, no, God didn't give me $50 or $1,000 or $10,000. God didn't give me $40,000. God gave me $45. God gave me $900. God gave me $9,000. God gave me $36,000. But we tend to look at it from this perspective. It's mine, and I'm going to decide how much of it I give to the Lord. 
But God says, that's not the way that I view finances. And so this is exactly what he says in these next couple of verses. He says, I am the Lord. Or, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place here. He says, I am never, you have been cheating me of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. You are under a curse. Listen to that. You've been cheating me out of what belongs to me, and you're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, remember, we talk about this a lot, that God speaks in covenantal terms. So when he says, if you, he's talking covenant. He's making promise. He's saying, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. If you do this, if you bring the tithes into my storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Now, this is not like when you're telling your kids, you know, you see they're about to do something, you're like, just try it. Go ahead. Try me. This is not what that looks like. This is the only place in Scripture where God literally says, I want you to put me to the test here. Because God already knows how good He is, but He does not yet know how faithful you are. He says, I already know how good I am. I already know that I can provide for you. I already know that I can take care of you. You know, to us, $40,000 in fake money is a lot of money. But God says, that's nothing to me. I can just give, I can bless, I can take care of people. But he says, try me, test me in this. Your crops will be so abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let me translate this for you. God says, if you were to put me first and realize that every single thing that I have given you is mine and I'm just blessing you, then I would cause your 401k to increase. I, when, when the stock market plummets 10,000 points in one day, you're going to be okay because I'm going to take care of you. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, she, he is so blessed. And the only thing you'll have to tell them is say, yeah, God continues to take care of me. God says, and this is what he's really trying to illustrate here. I want to bless you. You know, last night, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I bought a birthday present for my son. He's, his birthday's not until August, but I wanted to get it early because I needed to get it. I can't tell you what it is, but can I tell you, I am so excited to give it to him. I am. I'm just like, I can't wait. I can't believe I have to wait like three months to actually give it to him. But I'm so excited to give him this gift because he is going to go bonkers when he sees it. And I cannot wait as his dad to see his face when I give him this gift. Now, listen, I am just an earthly dad. Your father in heaven loves you so much more than that. Please hear me that he wants to bless you so much because it makes him so happy to be able to bless his kids. But here's where he's at. He has to tell this to the children of Israel. He says, you keep putting me on trial and saying, God, why aren't you providing enough? And God says, let me put you on trial and say, why aren't you being faithful? Why aren't you putting me first? Church, this is an epidemic in our world today most of us in this room are either in the place or know someone who struggles financially i gave you the statistic last week that 77 percent of households in america live paycheck to paycheck god says right here to the children of israel your whole nation's under a curse 
Your whole nation is under a curse because you have withheld from me what is due to me. You've acted like it belonged to you. You acted like it was yours to give as you see fit. And you refuse to see that I'm the one who loved you so much. Not only did I give you the very air that you breathe, I'm the God who can give you everything else that you need to survive. And in light of God wanting to bless us, here's my question for you. Who's really being cheated here? Who's really being cheated? What do you think? Us. Us. We are robbing ourselves while trying to rob God. Maybe that's not the way we think of it. I know, believe me, I know the struggle. You know, years ago when my kids were all little and in diapers and formula and everything else, we were not making a lot of money. We were a single income household. Believe me, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't even get a spoon. I had to eat with my hands. You can tell, worked out. Why is that funny? I have been there. I don't say flippantly that giving to the Lord is easy. Here's another statistic that's very interesting to me. 80% of people who tithe regularly and give to the Lord live debt-free. Now we tell ourselves, well, yeah, once you're debt-free, you can start giving to the Lord all the time. God says, no, whoever is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. It takes starting somewhere and with something to say, God, I'm done cheating myself out of the blessing. I'm done cheating my family out of the blessing. I'm done cheating my children and my grandchildren out of the blessing. I want to give back to you and live in such a way that I see even the very breath in my lungs as that which belongs to you and that you have given to me. It's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath, God. Then God goes on to say this as he finishes up here. You have said terrible things about me. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. I've been asked this a number of times in my life. Why does God let wicked people prosper? I don't know why. I really don't. But I do know this. That our concept of prosperity is very jaded because we're looking at that individual and saying, their my is bigger than my my. They have more than me. Why do they get more than me? You realize that if we could come to a place of seeing that everything in our lives is a gift from God, there'd be no reason for jealousy. I don't have to be jealous of what you have. You don't have to be jealous of what I have. Each of us has what God has given us. I don't have to be jealous of your health. I don't have to be jealous of your finances, your talents, your gifts, your time. I don't have to be jealous of any of those things because I want to live in a place where I say, God, all of those things you gave to me. I want to remember just as uh, Nathan said to David, he says, you know, you sinned against God, and, but God says, I gave you everything. And if it had not been enough, I would have given you more. That's how God looks at blessing his kids. He says, I gave you enough. And if it hadn't been enough, I would have given you more. We often look at this concept as though 
It's still mine. It belongs to me. But God says this statement. You can hear the hurt in it. I do when I read it. You've said terrible things about me. Here's the terrible thing you've said. What is the use of serving God? Why does this even matter? Listen, I got a 20 in my wallet. I'll, I'll give that to the Lord. Here, take it, Lord. Here's your tip. Here's your tip. When I was a kid, I was really astounded by this idea of tipping because I went to a restaurant and my parents told me when the waitress comes back, you have to give her 20% on top of your bill. And I said, why does God get 10% and the waitress gets 20? That doesn't make any sense. So I started giving a 10%. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We look at it like it's mine, but God says, you've said terrible things about me. You've said, what's the use of serving God? You go around and you act like the wicked are so blessed. You act like the arrogant are so blessed. You act like people who have more than you are so blessed. But why? Because you've lost sight of what you have that they don't. Me. You know, there's going to be a day when every one of us in this room takes our last breath. If Jesus doesn't return, there is going to be a day when every single one of us takes our very last breath. And the wicked people that we might know, they're going to take their very last breath. But I can guarantee you this, that the moment they stand before Jesus, this moment which we're told that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, they would give a hundred times the money they've made in their lifetime for one more chance, just one more, to go back and say, Jesus, be my Savior. All of that wealth, all of those possessions, all of those things, and this is what God talked about. We looked at this last week. God's like, I want to give you this stuff, but after I give it to you, you're going to think it's yours. You're going to think you earned it. You're going to think you deserve it. You're going to think it's now yours to determine what to do with it. Church, we're all going to take a final breath someday. And in that moment, what will we need more than Jesus? What will we need more than relationship with God? You've probably heard it said before, he who dies with the most money is dead. Way to go. You did it. Maybe I'll install that, start doing that at my funerals. We can put like over the casket what the net value of that individual was at their death. Because that seems to be what we care about, right? No. God says, here is what, I'm, what, what matters to me. You've started to say that I'm not worth serving. And I want to ask you this question. Is God worth serving? Is God worth serving? Is he worth submitting to? Is he worth humbling yourself for? Is he worth sacrifice? And, I'm, and we're focused on money here, and I get that. But as we've been talking throughout this service, we're not just talking about money. God gave you the very breath in your lungs. His, you know, first service, I was singing that song. And, you know, it's kind of a weird thought that the simple act of inhaling and exhaling is an act of worship. But, you know, when you fix your eyes on God in those terms to say, I want even the breath that comes out of me to be worship. I want to use even the breath that God put into me. And I, and I say this in, in these terms because we've come through a season where we've watched a lot of people lose their breath. Let's not lose sight of that, right? Lord, the very breath that I take in and then I breathe out, it's worship for you. And as I was 
singing that in first service, I just said, God, I want every breath that comes out of me to be worship. I want every breath that proceeds out of me to be worship. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be worship. I want the way in which I live my life to be worship. I want the way in which I take care of my family and the way I love and serve. I want it to be worship, God, because you own all of it. I don't know how much time I have. I mean, realistically, I probably have 40 years. Or I could have four hours. I don't know. You don't either. The breath in my lungs doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. The food in my pantry doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. If I see somebody and God says, give them all the food in your pantry, guess what? I'm giving them all the food in my pantry. My kids will be really shocked. It doesn't belong to them either. Everything we have And listen, I know I talked about this last week and there's always this little clenching idea that, oh, here we go. Preacher wants to talk about money for a couple weeks. We must be hard up. We're fine. This has nothing to do with the church's finances. This has to do with your blessing. This has to do with your blessing because I'm tired of having to see so many people stress and struggle over money, just barely making it all the time. And the reason being because we're living like it belongs to us instead of seeing that it belongs to God. God says, I want to bless you. His excitement to bless you is greater than my excitement to bless Roman. He says, I want to bless you. But we've got to make a decision. God, are you worth serving? Do I really believe that you're worth serving? Because he's making, this is the case he's making. Remember, he's talking about, I'm going to put you on trial. This is the case he's making, okay? He's saying, if your money and your time and your possessions and your stuff matters more to you, than I do. Then we aren't in the relationship you think we're in. We don't have the kind of closeness you think we have. Because in truth, when you have surrendered all of those things to me, when you start to see that everything you have has been a gift from me, then that builds your faith to say, God, great is your faithfulness. Even the air in my lungs is yours. And I want even that to give you glory. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for the air in our lungs. Just as a simple act of gratitude, a starting point, Lord, thank you for the air that we breathe. Thank you for the strength to come to church today, to walk in and to be among other people, Lord, the strength to dress ourselves and care for all of it, God. The cars that we rode in to get here, the blessings, the clothing that we're wearing, God, you have been so faithful to us. And God, I just pray that we would have a moment of true challenge in our hearts, just as Israel had to experience that question. Are you going to keep cheating me? God, in the reality, are we going to keep cheating ourselves? Because you delight in blessing your people. You delight in blessing your children. But God, we need to be able to reach a point where we see everything in our lives as a gift from you and not as something that we own. And God, I pray that as you do that, that you could teach us how to be surrendered and give back to you what you truly deserve. To bring our gifts into the storehouse, to give to you, God, and believing by faith, just as you said, try it, test me, see how good I am. That as we do so, God, that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings on your people. God, I'm wearied by a poor nation that has forgotten God. 
I'm wearied by it. I want to see your people blessed, Lord, and I pray that we would see it as such. I pray, God, that we would reap that harvest that you promised. But not just because it's money and finances and wealth and security, but that it teaches us that all that really matters is you. Just you, Jesus. That's all we need. Just you. As we're in prayer, I just want to ask you, Maybe you're here today and you say, I would love to be more generous. I would love to be able to think of my life and the things in my life in those terms. I want to be the kind of person who sees everything that I own as God's first and that I'm just the steward of it. If that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hands all over the room. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Can I ask you to stand with me? I want to pray for you. Listen, I get it. For some of you, maybe God will challenge you and say, hey, I want you to start giving to me and tithing to me tomorrow. And maybe you'll do that. I, I don't know. I do know this. God's faithful. But maybe that seems completely out of the question for you. But I encourage you to do something. Whether it be, hey, I was going to stop by Starbucks and pay $15 for a small coffee. But instead, I've decided to give that to missions. I've decided to give that to the Lord. You know, I was going to go to Duncan, but I'm going to hit the Cat Family Life Cafe. There you go. Uh, whatever it is, but that God would challenge you in that way to say, okay, God, I don't know what it is. I'm willing to start small, but I want to be obedient and give back to you because you're worthy. But I want to pray for you because that's not an easy thing to do. The second you walk out of this room, Satan will see, try to convince you, you can't afford this. Don't be foolish. You'll have less. You won't have enough. Remind him in that moment, I have everything I need because I have Jesus. That's all I need. So Lord, I just pray right now for every person in this room. God, I pray that you would help every single one of us to live as people who are devoted to you, who see you first and most and best in our lives, the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, the one who provides for us, who cares for us, who meets every need, God. Lord, forgive us for holding things in our hands and saying they're mine. They're mine. They belong to me. God, we open our hands and we say everything that you have blessed us with is yours and we give it back to you. We give you the air in our lungs. We give you our time, our talents, our resources. We give all of ourselves for your glory. God, we just want to see you in the in place of importance that you deserve to be in. And so God, I pray for those who raise their hand today, who that's their heart, that's what they want. God, I pray your protection over them that as they take a step of faith, that you would bless them and strengthen them and encourage them. And God, I pray that you'd come through on your promise. Open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on them so great that they can't contain them. God, we don't give to get. You've already given us so much. We give to be surrendered because you own it all. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Our prayer team will be up here to meet with you if you would like prayer this morning. I encourage you, take a step today to be generous and to love people around you, to put Jesus first. Enjoy fellowship together. God is good. He's faithful. And the Lord bless you as you go.